ad revenue for websites. Like mm-hmm. talking, it's a, it's a seven figure revenue company just off their website, you know, sure. just off ads, like not let alone like speaking any of that stuff. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Crater. Today, we are talking with Lewis Fawcett on the show. Lewis is somebody who is working with a bunch of very high-level YouTube influencers and just online influencers in general in order to allow them to both connect with brands and then grow their social media presences more effectively. This dude is 22 years old and absolutely killing it. This guy's also a partner in the company Patrick Adair Designs, which designs these really, really cool rings. You guys should absolutely check them out. I'll link them up in the show notes as well. They're doing some really cool stuff over there, designing some really, really cool rings. Um, but that's where he got started and he, he's really come a long way. He's now doing a lot of consulting with some some very big influencers, like I said. Um, without further ado, we're going to bring Lewis onto the show and allow him to share his experiences with y'all and what he has learned through connecting with some very high-level people, some tips that he can share with you if you are looking to make those really valuable connections and grow a real both e-commerce and consulting business online. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money. Lewis, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing wonderfully. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So, Lewis, for our listeners that aren't super familiar with who you are and what you are up to, could you give us a quick intro as to what you're up to right now yeah so i here's like the long story as short as i can make it all right basically i bill myself as a business consultant and business manager but what happened was i was college dropped out of college and started an e-commerce business with a friend from high school and he was a youtube influencer at the time he had like forty thousand followers and we grew that channel to i think right now it's just under six hundred thousand, like 590 something and also, at the same time, grew the e-commerce aspect into a seven-figure a year in revenue business. And just through that process, I like have that like entrepreneur bone where I just like to go do things because they're fun. So I do a ton of stuff. Like I consult on people's funnels. I actually, the big thing that I'm really good at is like operations and business management, which is what I did when we scaled that business. I was in charge of all of that. So Right now I'm working with a handful of influencers who are really large that have NDAs, so I can't share their names, but um, building out their like backend so that they don't have to do everything by themselves, helping them like outsource and hire team members and business insurance and retirement plans and health <laughs> insurance and all that like fun, boring businessy stuff, but that's what I really like to do. And so that's kind of like the gist of me. The big thing I work on is I, as our company, Patrick Adair Designs, I still work at that i'm technically the coo so the chief operating officer operations officer probably (laughs) i i I dropped out of school i don't know what it means (laughs) (laughs) that's fair so you're up to a lot of different things right now and um i'm I'm very interested with where you got started because you said you dropped out of college uh so so talk to us about that process like during high school were you somebody who had those entrepreneurial tendencies were you somebody who was like i I don't know printing t-shirts or or selling stuff in high school or, or what did that look like for you no, I was pretty like not entrepreneurial. I really like to like hustle in the sense of like sell stuff. Like everyone always told me that like if school didn't work out, I could go be a used car salesman. Cause just like, <laughs> I'd be that like, but I didn't do a lot. So like I'd sell like my Xbox cause I wasn't playing. So like I'd sell it and I'd hustle and I'd end up getting a really good price, but I never was, I wasn't like doing any big business stuff. I actually had like a really different high school experience than most people I think expect. I, um, so I played rugby at a small high school in Utah 
and I got recruited to play for Stanford because I got really good grades. I got a 33 on the ACT, graduated with wow. a four, um, not a 4 but a 3.999. I got one A minus <laughs> in one quarter over, and I took an extra class every semester. So like literally the highest possible GPA you could get without it being a 4.0 at my school is what I had. Um, I didn't end up getting into Stanford or any of the other like Ivy League schools that recruited me because um, I just like, I never did any like leadership or service stuff. I was kind of lazy like that. Sure. I had the grades, but like a 33 is their like median score. So mm. I'm basically just like your average white male trying to get into one of those schools. So like there's 3000 of me applying, <laughs> like I didn't do enough to differentiate myself. Sure. But I, what like makes it unique is school was always super easy for me. Like it's just like the way it is. Like I can read really quickly. I remember data and facts really easily so like all that stuff was super easy but I started playing rugby because I had been fencing since I was like eight which is like you know like the Olympic sword fighting yeah and my dad got cancer and I couldn't afford to do it anymore so I was just like and I'll just do like some random extracurricular and I had a friend whose dad was the rugby coach and so I started playing that and I was like really bad so our high school was the worst high school in Utah and I was a second string player my (laughs) junior year and but what happened is because I'd like I'm just like naturally big. I'm mm-hmm. six feet tall. In high school, I weighed 200 pounds, just like natural build. And so because of that, and I was smart. The head coach of Stanford was like, hey, you have a shot to get in because they won't help you get in. And he's like, so I'll send you all this stuff. And if you work out and eat, like I say, you'll be pretty good. And then you can play in college. And he's like, and you'll probably get to play at Stanford. And so what happened wow. My entire senior year, my schedule was I woke up at 7.30 to go to a class before school. I actually had to get up earlier, but like the class started at 7.30. I took all my classes. Then I would run for an hour. Then I would go to practice for two hours. Then I would lift weights for an hour. Then I'd do homework and go to bed. And I did that five days a week. And at the end of it, I didn't get into Stanford, but I actually got, um, I walked on at the University of Utah, which is when I played, they were number nine in the nation. And so like, I got really far and that was like my aha moment of like I can do anything if I work hard enough and like everyone says that but like for me like I was a kid who like I played a year of high school football and I was just trash but like at the same time I was lazy so I didn't work very hard or anything I just like kind of try but like so that was my aha moment I went to college and it was very like similar school was still easy I was majoring in physics and I was pre-med wow and then I was traveling to play rugby and what happened is I started to get really sick. And so if you know what your gallbladder is, it's like it stores bile and pumps it out. Mm-hmm. My gallbladder failed while I was playing rugby. And so I got really sick and I had to have surgery. And I had also had a couple of concussions in college at that point. And like through like high school sports, everything, I'd had a whole bunch more. And so going into my sophomore year, I had to quit playing rugby because I just like was not healthy enough to play at a team that was at that level anymore. And so I focused I took all that hard work that I'd learned like from playing rugby. Cause like it got even more solidified. Like when you're playing at a top 10 program, like they just expect you to work so hard at every little aspect, like even your schoolwork. Cause they want you to be like the best player you can be in every aspect. So they can like brag about you, you know? Yeah. And so I took that all and started doing physics research. And like, that's what I thought I was going to do. Like I thought I'd get a PhD, be like a researcher, go to like those conferences, write papers and I was doing that and I was like really blessed. I got to meet this really cool professor who like took me under his ring. His name's Dennis Parker. He's like one of the leading MRI researchers in the country. He did a lot of like groundbreaking research on like the eighties and nineties on 
um, imaging heat with MRI machines. Hmm. Um, so he was like letting me like write papers and he would fly me to conferences to present my research. And it was really cool, but I literally hated every aspect of my life. Like I like looking back at the time, I just thought I was just like burnt out from school or whatever. But like looking back, I was definitely depressed because like I just never wanted to get out of bed. I would sleep through my classes, you know, like I'd literally sleep till like 2 p.m get up do homework and like study then play video games with my friends all night and then sleep all night again like just every time I had this awesome like dream job and I never wanted to go to it but I had this friend who had also gone to college with me and followed a different life path and that was Patrick he had went to college done really poorly he was like the kid who stays up to like 6 a.m sleeps in the like common area of the dorm pops up <laughs> drinks a red bull goes to class fails and it's like, eh, whatever you know like you want some you lose some <laughs> because he had been selling rings on instagram as like weird as that is he would literally like take pictures of rings and then run auctions of like do you want a cool ring like this comment how much you're willing to pay and like the highest comment after 48 hours we'll get to we'll like win the auction and i'll make you a custom ring Oh, like custom rings. Okay. Yeah. So he would customize it at that time. And so he had been doing stuff like that. But as it like, as he was growing bigger and bigger, he realized it wasn't super scalable because like he has to do an Instagram post and like wait. So he took some of his most popular like Instagram posts and made some videos of them and then had those videos on YouTube linked to a website. And that's where I came along is like at that same time, he had been just talking to me and like I had done a lot of graphic design and like Photoshop creative what's it called creative cloud stuff Mm -hmm. in high school um so he's like hey will you like edit my thumbnails for me and just stuff like that and so I was doing some work like that and that was like going into that summer where I was really depressed and so I just realized that like even though it was like much less like long-term intelligent to do that I like that more so I would focus more on that than my research job Hmm. And just at one point he was like, Hey, I want to sh- switch my website from GoDaddy to Shopify. What if you make the whole site for me? And so I, I started getting more and more involved, just doing bigger and bigger projects. And then what happened was it was time to go back to school for my junior year of college. And it was the first day of school. And I was like hating it already. Like I, I had been thinking about dropping out for probably a month or more at this point, like, and not just like, you know, everyone kind of like jokes, like, Oh, I'm going to drop out. Like mm-hmm. seriously, like, what is the process like to defer your like time? I need just like some time to myself probably. And I was sitting in class. It was a, I think it was a genetics lecture and Patrick calls me on the phone. And so I answer the phone in the middle of lecture. It's like, there's like a hundred people there. I'm on the phone in the back and I can tell the professor's pissed off. But Patrick was like, Hey, I'll give you X percent of equity and pay you $20,000 a year to leave school right now and come work. Cause I had been doing a lot of like, like I said, operation stuff at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had been the person overseeing all of that. And so when I left, there wasn't anyone really up to date on like the day-to-day operations of processing an order from when it gets ordered, sent to our manufacturers. Cause we manufacture everything in America in-house. Like we employ the manufacturers that are employees mm-hmm. and then like quality control, customer service, like going through all those processes, processes. I was the only one doing that. And so he was just like, I need someone to do that. And at the time we weren't making that much money. It was like 18,000 a month or something. It's like 20 grand a year was like not very much money in the scheme of things. But for me, I was like, I could live off 20 grand a year. (laughs) And I literally stood up 
in lecture, hung up my iPhone, walked off campus and never went back. Wow. And so like, that's, that's kind of how I got to the dropping out point. And I think that's my really long answer to your question. <laughs> I love it. I love getting off onto these stories. Cause like, I, I feel like these, these are the things that could really resonate with someone. And really like if, if they are in that same position that you were in, I feel like hearing that and hearing where you were able to take that could be really, really impactful on somebody who, who's going through similar things. No, yeah, definitely. Like that was my whole thing with it is, and the scheme of things, like, just like, it's like the way it is, it sounds kind of egocentric, but like, I was really s- smart and really good at school. So like, I was pretty much fast tracked to like, get into the research I was doing and like who I was doing it under meant I could pretty much get to any physics PhD program in the country. Mm. Like maybe not any, like the like top, like 20 or so, like I would have, ha- it would have been hard, Sure. like anything below that. And it would have been funded. So like what that means is they like pay you they pay for it, you know, and then you also get like your stipend to live off of and everything. Mm -hmm. And then I'd graduate, go to like a fellowship. And by the time I was like 30, you know, I'd make like $150,000 a year. And like, it was just set. And that was that path. And if I went to medical school, it was like very similar, but even more money, Mm -hmm. a little longer down the road. And I just like, I realized that like, you have to understand that like the fulfillment, like money isn't everything. And like, I'm really blessed to like, have had it turn out well so that I can make more money and like do all these things. But like at the time it was literally like a hundred thousand dollars in five years is worthless if I don't make it five years, you know, cause I hate life. Mm. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. What was it about the work that you were doing with Patrick that made you feel more fulfilled? Like what were the, what were the aspects of it that, that you were drawn to? I think at the time part of it was like, it was a much better, like, you're working with your friends, right? Like Patrick's one of my best friends from high school. So that helped. But I think the big part was the, like the success of like owning and growing it myself. And cause like for the first little while I was like, I edited the YouTube videos at that point still Um, on top of doing all that operation stuff. I did all the graphic design for the website pretty much. I'm like, I'm not a great graphic designer, but just like simple, like Photoshop edits and stuff. And so I think it was like, all that other stuff I was doing was really fun in the sense of like, I liked it. I like math a lot and things like that, but I didn't really get to be creative. It was just like, Oh, we're researching. Cause like my research focused on using um, high intensity, high intensity focused ultrasound, which basically just like the ultrasound they give uh, like to see a baby. Mm-hmm. You can take that and like basically like turn it up to 11, like a magnifying glass and cook stuff with it underneath the skin And so I was doing research on like making the fake, they're called phantoms, but it's like the fake tissue that they can use during the scientific like tests to see how it's working. And so like, that's what I did is I designed this like fake tissue that you can see with ultrasound and MRI, which is really hard to do well because they basically like, they're like inverses, like MRIs don't like there to be a lot of scattering, which means like, like everything to be like uniform. Whereas ultrasound where it's like, literally like a dolphin it relies on bouncing off of things Hmm. so you need scattering or like things for it to bounce off of and so that's what my research was in but it's like it was literally just like oh we're gonna put 20 grams of this ingredient in and then test it and then oh now we're gonna put 25 grams of ingredient this ingredient in and then test it and like that was like an entire summer you know of doing things like that whereas this was stuff like oh we get to make a cool video and like we're also like it's very non-traditional because like Patrick is like, he's very um, into like YouTube culture in general. 
So I don't have great examples at the time. Oh, one was like, we don't even sell this ring, but one of our like YouTube videos we made was we made a ring out of Kevlar, like a bulletproof vest. And then I'm from, like I said, I'm from a really small high school. So like I went back to like a really small town and one of my dad's friends shot it with a 50 caliber gun from like 20 yards or something. It was just like, it was the stuff, it was like the stuff like that. Like, it's just like, was crazy fun. And like, I lived in a really crappy apartment, but like the rent was super cheap. It was like 400 bucks a month. And so it's just like, I could afford to live and I got to do all this fun stuff at work. And then over time, what I've really liked about it is I've discovered I really like, I basically get to use all that stuff I really liked, like the analytical and like pattern recognition, but I still get to be creative of like with marketing and things like that. And like coming up with one of my clients, we're currently working on their like company, kind of like their company message of like who they are, what they offer, who their audience is. We're putting out, it's like a really concise messaging. And even like that, it's not super creative. At least it doesn't sound like, but it's like, how can we take like, this big, long five sentence paragraph and turn it into like one short, concise sentence. And so it's still like creative and a lot more. It's really the creativity that I think I like more about it. Mm, Absolutely. And it sounds like you were definitely not getting that in the physics research you were doing at all. Yeah, not at all. So how, how long ago was that that you dropped out just for like a timeline wise? That would have been, um, two and a half years. Okay. So relatively recently. Okay. So walk us through that process. So you got up, you walked out of class, you never came back. Um, and then what did you start doing? Like, were you just continuously doing the same things that you were doing before or were there now? Kind of, it was the big part was before my job had just been to kind of like do whatever. So I did Mm -hmm. the big things I did where I edited the videos at that time. And then I also helped process the orders and get them assigned to the like manufacturing staff I think that's what I was doing at that time and also all of like the web management stuff so I was like I was basically like our web developer except like I don't know how to code (laughs) I don't use Adobe Illustrator so like I know how to use Photoshop and Shopify so like you know as much of a web developer as you can call yeah (laughs) but like add in the add-ons like create the products all that stuff but when I came back a big part of my focus was just scaling everything in general because now like and like it's weird as weird as this is like I had been doing everything I could before but as soon as I got like equity I realized that you like much more invested in everything being successful yep so it's just like little things of like now when I had downtime I started studying email marketing and like that's like we're really big on email marketing we sold a little over I can't remember the exact number I'd have to go like write a report and look at it but it was somewhere right around half a million last year just through our email marketing list. Cause like our, we have a really long customer acquisition time because it's luxury jewelry. Like it's not like those like groove rings or Enzo rings or anything that you see where it's like, Oh, you can get four for 20. Like our cheapest products are like $180. And that's like our very, very cheap tier. And there's only like three products on our entire site. And then the next tier is like 300. Then it goes like four or 500 all the way up to 2,500. So wow, we do a lot of stuff there to like but so that was the big one was like coming up with ways to just do better and so a big part of that was creating processes that let that moved especially Patrick because at that time our biggest like customer acquisition channel was YouTube and so like Patrick was doing a lot of stuff he was still making rings so it was like how are we gonna hire employees 
so Patrick never has to make a ring again. Patrick was also ordering materials. And, like, all of this happened over the course of, like, probably the last year and a half. Like, some of these much later. And Patrick might even still be involved in some of them. But, like, stop ordering materials like Dremels, you know, like $20 things we buy from Walmart. Like, Mm -hmm. basically moving Patrick to where 90% of his energy is spent making YouTube videos. Mm. That was our big goal then. So we hired a lot more, not a lot more, but it was, like, two or three more employees trained them and created like we created processes which like it sounds super fancy but I think at that time my process was literally we had someone going through all the orders and and taking them from Shopify into Google Sheets and then like stratifying them like organizing them so that they could go to like whichever craftsman was trained to make that ring and then it came from there into a quality inspection bin and I could inspect them because I had made rings at one point over the summer. Mm-hmm. So, and like, because I'd also seen all the videos, which is where like Patrick films himself making every ring at least once. So like I was the one who edited all those. So I was like, had very like intimate knowledge of how they're supposed to look. Um, so that was like one of the big things. And then the other thing was just marketing channels. And like I said, we've using that, let us make more YouTube videos. And then our whole email marketing story is just like, it's really sad and like funny, but why we're so good. So what happened is we had this business partner who hired on a marketing guy to do all of our like Facebook ads and email back then. And what we realized was we were greatly overpaying market value for that. um, For like the marketing guy and our business partner was spending all of his time doing nothing. He would just sit there, take a salary, get his bonuses and like dividends Mm -hmm. and everything, but he wasn't really doing anything. And the marketing guy was doing stuff, but it was like a super, super high cost for how much we were paying him. Mm-hmm. Something like, it was almost like 10 G's a month, which I like got the time we were taking $20,000 salaries, you know, yeah. for like on the whole year. So we just realized like, this doesn't really make sense. And so we bought out that business partner and stopped using that marketing guy. And then for like a month or more, everything was just like limbo. Like we did no Facebook ads we had a lot of email followers or like subscribers just from like YouTube giveaways back when you were so allowed to like use gleam, which mm-hmm. not allowed to do as of like a week ago. And oh, wow. <laughs> also just stuff like, just like we had a website, you know, where people were coming to shop, signing up for a newsletter, things like that, but we weren't really doing anything. And what happened was I sent out an email. So I did our email for like the first two months of like, or like, the last two months of what year that would have been 2016 after we fired that guy. And what I was noticing, like I'd send out an email and we'd make like three to $5,000. Cause like we weren't emailing anyone ever, you know? So it was like, we'd send out like, I'd send out like one email a month basically at that point. And so I was like, wow, we need to take this seriously. And then what happened was um, I got a cold call from this company that wanted us to do Facebook ads with them. Mm-hmm. They're a super reputable company. They're called Mute Six. They actually still do our Facebook ads today. Hmm. But at the time we were like, we don't want to pay this. It was really expensive because they work with like Grunt Style, Me Undies, the NHL, like really big brands. Yeah. So we're, like, we're like, we can't afford this. And he was like, well, because like we weren't doing any Facebook stuff at the time anyway. And so he's like, well, what else are you doing? Like, we talked about email a little. I'm like, well, we noticed that was good. And he's like, I have an email team. Like, why don't you guys use them? And I say he, I think they're like, they have like 300 employees or something. And this was like some random salesman on the phone, you know, like, <laughs> um, but so we started using them 
and it just, it quickly became one of those things where I realized I was passionate about it. And so I was learning, like I would literally be on the phone with them for like two plus hours a week, auditing every single thing they did in my free time, like late at night and everything. And so wow. it just became a thing where it was like, after like six months or so, I was like, oh, well I could do this just as good as they can because it got to a point where like they weren't even creating like our, they would make our flows mm-hmm. and like make the campaigns and everything that I was the one dictating like, we should make a segment for this and create a, this flow specifically for that segment to like sell to our VIP customers, you know, mm. like things along those lines. And so they were basically just like implementing my strategies at that point. And so mm. as soon as we didn't have to pay for any strategy help, it becomes very easy to bring it in house. Cause like, then we just need to find people who can execute. So like we had to hire a designer and I had to like learn how to use the software itself. But other than that, we could do it in house and, we really took off running. Absolutely. So bouncing back to, to the business model that, that uh, basically this, this, this marketing was for, um, you guys were creating custom rings and then just selling them on social media. That's how it started. When I came out, when I came in, we pretty much started phasing out the custom rings. Cause it's not scale. It's not a scalable. Cause mm-hmm. that means you need someone who's like super highly trained. Yeah. Sure that it can be sold and still be like that high enough quality mm-hmm. and so we, because we wanted to move patrick from being in the shop to making videos full-time it wasn't sustainable so what we started doing is a lot more of like preset products and they're still like really customizable we have like i'm not even going to pretend to like i'm really good at math and i don't even want to try to calculate how many SKUs we have because like <laughs> a lot of our rings are like like it starts with like a simple base, like our glowstone ring. So they have a band and you can choose four different materials for the band. And then we put a resin in with like inlays. So like it could stuff like amethyst, um, meteorite, anything like that. And you can choose up to three. Wow. And then the resin can have multiple colors. So like, <laughs> it's like, it can be anywhere from one to seven colors. And then it Jeez. glows the resin glows. So like we still have the customization in that aspect or like our meteorite rings, which are just pure meteorite. You can like add a carbon fiber liner into it. You can choose like whether or not it's a flat ring, a beveled ring, a rounded ring, how wide it is. But like none of like the crazy custom stuff anymore where like people would be like, hey, I'll pay you a thousand dollars for you to like hand mill a ring to look like the Green Lantern ring. (laughs) All right. All right. I dig it. I dig it. So when did you decide to make the transition uh between working with patrick to like spinning off and doing your own thing and what what did that process look like for you why did you decide to make that leap um basically it came about because i so i still work with patrick i actually live with patrick still like we're very intertwined but a big part of it was just so like because it was patrick's company when i came along and like at the time it was making like i can't remember the exact number of it like six figures a year roundabout, you know? Okay. And so like, he was giving me like a good chunk of money that could have been his to hire. So like, and like when you're poor, you have to like negotiate. Right. And so I mm-hmm. didn't, I had basically the whole long story short is I ended up with a lot less equity than he has, which like, it's fair. It makes sense. It's his company started it. Yeah. But I just realized that like where I wanted to be um, financially, like, I could get there by doing this and just like doing your normal things. Like I own some rental property, things like that, but it was going to be very long term. But mm. I was like, I'm 22 and I spend like 90% of my time 
when I'm not working playing CSGO on the computer, you know? So I was like, I can do an extra three hours of work every day or whatever, you know? Plus mm-hmm. I really like it. So like it's stuff I would do regardless. Like a lot of the stuff I was doing came about because like, so the biggest person I work with that's not Patrick is a large blog, which like I said, I'm not allowed to say what it is because I have an sure. idea, but they, like it's a very large blog, like does over 5 million page views a month, which like, if you know anything about like ad revenue for websites, like mm-hmm. talking, it's a, it's a seven figure revenue company just off their website, you know, sure. just off ads, like not let alone like speaking, any of that stuff. And I met the owner at a conference and we just like hit it off and became friends. And they would text me like at night and be like, Hey, I, what do you think about this? And like, just text me an idea, like just talking like you would with your friend, you know? Hmm. And they just do stuff of like, Oh, or like it'd be stuff like, Oh, I want to like, want to go to dinner. Oh, I can't. Like I have, I have to do this, this, and this. And it quickly became a thing of where I was like, well, this is like, just to be frank, like they would just tell me things like, this is really dumb. Like this is not set up. Like this is set up how you expect like a stay at home mom to run their blog. (laughs) not how you expect someone who's like on par with um, like trying to compete with like ESPN or something, you know, like, sure. which is like, that's that path. Like you can decide like lifestyle business, which it still is a lifestyle business. Even at those points, like you can make it one depending on how you set everything up. But like you decide like, do I want to be this like in-house and like limit my growth because I'm not willing to like have a huge team and deal with all that. Or like, do I want to try to go from like being a blog to a media company? Mm. and so that was like we were just talking about it and like they definitely wanted to be a media company in general like that was their goal since they started like they weren't very like like as long as they could work from home that was like their only requirement just because they were a stay-at-home parent sure like they wanted to and like they're fine to like have nannies and stuff but they just wanted to like be at the house where their kids were just to like because they you know parents worry sometimes yeah and so that's how I started with that one. Um, the other, and like, that's how I started with them. One of the other things I'm doing right now is like, I'm working with uh, a guy who has a really large, um, I, I think I can say this. And if he gets mad at me, it's like, he gets mad at me. <laughs> he has a really large SEO course. It's right. called hashtag Jeff. He um, does SEO for bloggers. I met him at the same conference and like, mm. we hit it off. It was like the same group of friends. Okay. I'm helping him launch an email marketing course just helping him with like some of the creative behind the scenes and stuff and he like that was very similar to like we would just talk about stuff and he's like you know like we'd go to lunch and it's like oh I think I want to do this like this sounds like a good side hustle and he would be like well that's dumb you know so much about email marketing why don't you do this and then I'd like say oh I came up with like this but I don't really have time to like I don't really want to run a course and he's like well I'm clearing large chunks of money with my course like I have a team set up and everything why don't we just like bring it into the family, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, that was another, and it's usually all very organic. I pretty much only work with like people that I'm friends with. So um, I do a lot of brand management stuff for like YouTubers, like helping them negotiate their uh, sponsorships, things mm-hmm. like, you know, like when you see like, oh, this was brought to you by Audible. Like there's a handful of YouTubers around Utah. Like that's all the same way. It was just like friends who would be like, oh, we're trying to like find more sponsors. And just cause like that sounded interesting to me, I'd go, like, oh, I wonder how you do that. And then I, like that one, I would just like cold call companies, just like curious to see if it would work and like ask hmm. them if it was okay. Like, can I negotiate on your behalf? Just because like, yeah, to me, it was just like fun, you know, just the idea of like, how does this work? 
behind the scenes, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause like, that's what I really like. And like a lot of people like give me crap, but like I'll watch like a Logan Paul or Jake Paul video. Cause I want to like, see, I don't like care what Logan Paul or Jake Paul's doing. I like to look and say like, okay, well that ad integration probably cost like that's definitely sponsored, even though like they might not be coming out with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like a link or whatever. So that's X amount of money that house costs, you know, 20 million or whatever your mortgage on that. And then I like to just kind of like reverse engineer the business behind it. Cause like that's mm. what's interesting to me is like building businesses and like how they work. And so it's just basically friends would just come up to me and like talk about stuff. And because we had been successful in this one scene, I had a lot of connections who were, cause like I couldn't, I make enough money that like, I don't make like huge amounts of money. I'm not like clearing millions a year or anything. It's just, mm. I like live a pretty low key lifestyle so I can do what I want. And I just had friends coming up to me with interesting propositions that I was like, Oh yeah, that would be interesting to do. So is that how a lot of your business ventures started is just like chat with friends and like you both come up with an idea and then you just like start doing it. Yeah. That's literally almost every single one of them. Uh, Man, I'm working on a couple projects right now that just started like that. And it's, it's, I, I don't know. A lot of people think it's a lot more structured, than it really is because when you are associating yourself with people who are doing cool stuff and you yourself are doing cool stuff, like you just get together and and have cool ideas and that's, and then that can just turn into something really, really powerful. So I I think a lot of, a lot of listeners and a lot of young people think that there has to be some huge like business plan and like you have to go through all these processes when in reality, like if you just come up with an idea and start executing on it, like you can really take that a long way. Yeah. And like, I'm a hundred percent with you. Execution is like the biggest thing I preach. And it basically comes from like all that, like hard work stuff of like, you know, I wasn't good at playing rugby, but I worked really hard through while I was playing it and I got better. And like, then that's how it worked with my research. Like I wasn't some like naturally, like I didn't like show up and like, Oh, I have these great ideas. It was just, like, I just like made it up as I went. And I just was always like, there, giving it a hundred percent. They'd say like, go do this. I'd go do it. You know, I wouldn't like dawdle or anything you know i just go do it and then the same thing at work like with the marketing stuff and it happened to interest me so i worked even harder but it's like oh i'm gonna do like email marketing so i just started looking up learning and executing and i think that's the big thing is everyone like i talk to people all the time and they're like here's my big long plan like i want to launch this show on youtube here's how i'm mm-hmm. going to monetize it there's going to yep. be a podcast aspect there's gonna be this 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 and this like what do you think like, is there anything in this plan you think that needs to be changed? And like, <laughs> almost always it's like, the only thing I think that needs to be changed is the fact that you're planning and starting in six weeks when you could like start tomorrow because 90% of this, once you start get going, like, I'm sure you know how it is. Like yeah. some people, you might find that you're making a lot more money off your podcast than YouTube. And so like, you still do YouTube, but you like switch. And like, I don't know you know, where you're making your money, but anything just like, that was a big thing for us is like, we, when we started, it, our Instagram was huge mm-hmm. at Patrick Air Designs. Like that was where all the business was coming from. But then the YouTube started to take off. And so then more business was coming from that. So like we went on that and then now YouTube still like, we still get good sales and like leads and everything and traffic. But now like Facebook is where we do most of our money because it was working better. You know, like we're constantly switching and evolving. And so I think the big thing is it's like, if you have an idea, you're like, this is a business I want to start, go start it today and work for two hours at night for the next two weeks. 
and see how far you are and then like look back at your plan and then maybe try to make a good plan but like definitely start first exactly exactly because you're going to run into all these different things that you're going to have to adapt on and then keep executing and if you just make all these assumptions from the get you have no clue like if they're founded in any basis of reality at all so you really you, you got to get your feet wet first you got to get your feet wet before you have any real concept of like what is actually going to happen yeah exactly 100 percent, 100 percent. um so what did you what did you describe your title as um with the work you do oh so i tell everyone i'm a business manager and it's basically because i don't work i like i kind of do but almost no one I work with is outside of the influencer space. And like okay. some people like Patrick, I own equity in his brand. I work with a DJ and he's on like a 360 deal, which if you're familiar with that, that means like any money he makes, I get my cut out of. Mm -hmm. And so like with those two, I very much am like a business manager. Like Patrick wants to start a new business. I usually am heading that up. At least I'm very present in it because like I automatically own part of that business and everything because of like the way our deal works. Sure. And like, there's ways like I, we can like opt out and everything. Like there's all that fun legal crap, but like generally that's the way it is. And so that's just what I would tell people I was when I went to these conferences. Cause at the time, those were the only two people I worked with. Cause the DJ was another friend from high school. So it was like very much like helping one of your homies out, you know, like yeah. not even a lot of like, that one wasn't even, I wasn't even like that good at it. Like I still am probably not that good at it, but it's just like, no one else is going to help him. And like, you know, he goes to a meeting and he's a young kid in Hollywood who like, people are like, Oh, we'll pay you this much. And then like, I can like call three people and be like, they're paying everyone else three times that much. Like tell, mm. them, to, tell them to F off, like put yeah. me on the phone. You're like emotionally invested <laughs> in this. Like basically that's what that one is. So I was just telling people I was a business manager and that's kind of what it came into. So like, that's what I mainly, that's like the biggest thing I consult for. And like almost no one else is like, you know, depending on like the fee structure, like some people I do hourly, some people I take a percentage of revenue just depends on exactly what they're looking for. But yeah, okay. business manager and business consultant. Cause I do consult with like a handful of small businesses, but that's like significantly less often. It's almost always working in that influencer space. Okay. How do you make your connections with, with these people in this space? Is it mostly word of mouth at this point or? Um, at this point, it's a lot of word of mouth. Um, I also like, like the same way I met you, like I will just reach out to a ton of people whenever I want to like talk to someone. So mm -hmm. I'm not like, like there's some people that like, these are people like I'm going to like kind of name drop. They're like, I'm not like friends with them or anything, but they're people like I've had conversations with. And it's mm -hmm. literally just because I either reached out to them on LinkedIn or reached out to them on Instagram or something. But like, do you know who Marshmallow is? Yeah. Yeah. The artist. Yeah. So like <laughs> I, I got to have like a, 35 minute conversation with his manager one day solely because like wow. I just I just dm'd him on Instagram you know and like that was like a year and a half ago like I wasn't even doing anything like I wasn't trying to make money <laughs> or anything I just like I listened to a podcast that he was on and I had a couple of questions and I was like like what's the worst case scenario like it gets hit by the Instagram spam filter or it even gets let through when he doesn't read it like cool like that's no sweat off my back like I sure. don't care yeah I was like the best case scenario though is like I get to learn these like three things that I was just curious about. Yeah. And it's like, that's how that one, um, the same thing. Like, if you know who Borgor is, he's like a dubstep DJ, Yeah. his manager, like we're connected <laughs> on LinkedIn through the same thing. I just like, I DM him there and was like, Hey, I see you guys are doing this on YouTube. I just want to let you know that that's like, that was bad. Like what you were doing is like not YouTube strategy. Like I'm sure, you know, someone who's much better in this space than I am. Mm. But, like if I know that that's a bad, like 
I was like thumbnails. Their thumbnails are really bad. So I was like, mm. if I know your thumbnails are really bad and not going to get clicked on. Like, yeah, <laughs> an issue. Like, you know, and he just was like, oh, thanks, man. Like, we weren't even thinking that that was that important and just like added me as a connection on LinkedIn, you know, and like, I've never done anything with it, but there's a lot of stuff like that of just like reaching out. And I'm really big on that, just like randomly reaching out to anyone you want to work with. Hmm. Because, like, obviously, like, there's don't be spammy, don't, yeah, none of that stuff. Like, be polite, be respectful. But, like, I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. I didn't like start and be successful and like start getting flown out to conferences and meeting all these cool people or anything. It was like we started being successful. And like, if, if we wanted to have a sponsor on a YouTube video, I had to go call the customer support line, you know, like, <laughs> that's how I could get like a hold of a contact anywhere. And so, like, that's just what I've always done. And it's always kind of worked, you know, you just like, and I think like, I think Gary V talks about that a lot, but like Instagram and like LinkedIn and everything, they're just like, right now it's like the biggest like equalizer. Cause you have access to everybody, you know, like, yeah. And there's a lot of people who are going to say no, but just like reach out, see what they're saying. It's like, if you've ever done like sales, like summer sales or any kind of like sales job at like phone sales, any of that, like you're going to get 99 no's for every yes. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just a numbers game. You got to just reach out. And then obviously word of mouth is really big at this point, like, cause we'll go to conferences and stuff. So that's yeah. my other big one. Absolutely. So if you came across somebody, say they were a YouTube influencer, but you wanted to potentially do business with, what would your process look like for uh, making that first interaction? If there's somebody who you weren't connected with um, and then what, what would that process look like for you? On that process on YouTube, I would go look up their business email. So like, I do know how to do that. I kind of describe it. You just like, sure. I'll just run through it real quick in person. So um, let's go look at like, Patrick Air Designs, you know, this is okay. like, I'll, I'll dox ourselves because we already get, you know, <laughs> tons of emails. So you go to like our page, you click about, and there's people can remove this, but view email address and that about page, check mm-hmm. that I am not a robot box. Mm-hmm. Unless you are a robot, don't check it. <laughs> you won't pass. And then it'll pop up with an email you can email. That's usually like my number one way, just because like, that's exactly what that's for. That's how we like arrange like collabs with other really big YouTubers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like my number one, like that way, always kosher, send one email, be polite, tell them whatever you want to do, like whatever your idea is. Um, with other people's like, my good example is like with you, I just saw Richie Norton posted something about you and like, I love Richie. He's a good friend. And I was like, I just, I felt like it was a good fit when mm-hmm. I like looked through what you were doing, I was like, Oh, like I'm young. Maybe I'm smart. I kind of have money. So like, two out of three, <laughs> like, you know, we could go with that. And so with you, I like, I made the judgment call of, I was pretty sure I could Instagram DM you and you mm-hmm. probably see it because you have under like basically how Instagram works for those of you who don't know is there's a filter that will like only let DMS through if people want. Mm-hmm like not if they want but if instagram thinks they'll want it yeah obviously like mine might have even went to like your spam one or whatever and yet clicked plus request or whatever because like maybe you check all those like i know some people go through all of it some people don't i usually do but like yeah it's like maybe that's where mine even went but on instagram just like send a quick dm i almost never try to like i want it to be like really quick and easy lighthearted. like i'm not trying to like 
send you a freaking resume or anything. I just <laughs> always try to like keep it within the character, <laughs> whatever platform it is, if it's like Instagram, LinkedIn, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those two are the ways I do for influencers. If I want to approach a brand though, that one's always through LinkedIn first. Hmm. And so that one, very similar, like for anyone who's not familiar with LinkedIn, you go to the site and like, obviously I do this at like scale sometimes. Sure. So I'll do stuff like data scrape, like 90 people that I'm going to message or whatever, and then go through and do this. But say I want to work with, um, here's a good example, Richie Norton, like awesome guy, business coach. Yep. Um, I actually just had him on the show like four episodes ago, I think. Sweet. <laughs> I like, I love Richie. He's, he's like one of those people, like we met before I get on a tangent, I'll finish this and I'll talk. Okay, about okay. Who he is. But, um, so you like pull up their profile and it'll say connect. And I never use like the LinkedIn premium. I pay for it sometimes cause I need it to see as many LinkedIn profiles as I need to see in a month. Mm-hmm. I never use like the sponsored messaging. I just go in and click connect and it'll give you an opportunity to add a note and so it's basically like sending a friend request with like a message of, Hey, this is why I think you should add me. And it's like 150 characters. So it's literally like a friend request plus a tweet of why you think you guys should be friends. Yeah. And so that's how I do everything on LinkedIn. I've done over $150,000 in sponsored videos just through that method of like negotiating sponsorships for YouTube videos. What does that first message typically look like? Um, for the sponsorships, sure. here, I'll see if I can just find a good one and kind of read that. So like this, this one's like really old so okay. from last July. So like, um, basically I introduced myself, which I'm still hit or miss on whether I, you need to do that. Cause like they obviously will see your, yeah, name. they see your name, but I usually do it just cause it's like polite and conversational. Sure. Um, then I say just like what I'm doing. So usually something like I work with for this one, it was for Turo. And so it was like, um, I manage a group of influencers. I have some clients who I think would be a perfect fit for Turo because they are mostly male demographics in the college and professional age, parentheses, 18 to 35. All of them are medium or large size, 50K to 500K median views per video. I'd love to discuss, you know, hmm. as, simple, as simple as that. Like, and like over time, like I've gone a lot better at it, but that's, I mean, that's really all it is, is just like, try to be straight to the point. And yeah. Especially cause like for me, like I'm just like lucky and blessed that I'm at a point in my life where I can do, you know, like I'm not like, I'm not looking to strike it big. Like no. I can have any of these brands tell me no. And like, this is, you know, 15% of my yearly income. Like I can go on to something like, yeah, it doesn't threaten your livelihood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, there's probably someone who could like give you way better strategy on how to use LinkedIn, but like, that's how I do it. Okay. And I mean, nobody wants to read like an eight paragraph essay about, about you and your life story. Like people want to know what's, what's your point? Why are you messaging me? And if it's longer than like, I don't know, like three or four sentences, they're probably just not going to read it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's my whole thought process is like, at least get your foot in the door as fast as possible and then have the discussion, see where it goes. Um, get them on the phone if you can. Like, that's always like the, like if you're ever selling anything, like that's always the best way to do it. Like, and like people hate it. I like, I personally hate it. That's why I don't do some of these things more is cause like, I like like the business model and everything. I think it's great. And I think a lot of brands don't use influencer marketing correctly. And so hmm. I'd love to like try to get them through the door, but I 
like I hate the actual like phone call sales part because like I'm just a shy kid, you know. <laughs> but like, yeah. So short and sweet, and then just try to get to the point as quickly as possible. Hit the details exactly. How do you deal with negotiation? Because it seems like a lot of what you do would be like back and forth and, and really like getting to a price where you're comfortable and they're comfortable. How do you deal with that? Because I know a lot of our listeners might think that's extremely confrontational and not be super comfortable, like speaking up for what they feel they're worth. So do you have any tips or strategies that you've implemented to um, negotiate more effectively and really get what you're looking to get out of a, out of a transaction? Um, yeah. So like my first thing is like, no one is going to, people might be offended, but like your whole goal is to just be polite and explain. I always try to go with like the mantra of just like, you're just trying to explain why it doesn't make sense to you. So like okay. we worked on a collab with an influencer one time for like basically influencer marketing for our channel. Like they posted a video of us of like, we got to be in one of their YouTube videos. They're a much larger channel mm-hmm. and then link back with like a discount code, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to charge like, our initial goal was to do it for free. Cause like we felt like we were providing a lot of value and all that stuff. Sure. And they just explained to us, they were like, Hey, no, we charge. Typically we charge $50,000 a video. Like if, if it's sponsored by like audible or something, they pay us 50 grand. So, wow. and I was like, okay, well I, and like, I literally, what makes it nice for me is like, I'm always negotiating almost all of my negotiations. I'm pretty much a middleman. So like mm. I kind of get to use like some of those like cop out strategies, which I, I pretended like, I still use them sometimes like when I negotiate for myself of just like, Oh, like I can't do that on the budget. But I literally, Patrick had given me a number for the video. He's like, I'll pay 10 grand was his mm-hmm. goal. He's like, I want to pay 10 grand. And so I told him, I was like, we're not doing 50 at all. <laughs> like Our plan was to pay 10 at the most. And what he was like, and so I was on the phone with this other guy and it's like, you know, it's like, Patrick and then me and then this other YouTube manager and then the other YouTuber. So there's like, there's a good amount of middlemen in between, you know? Hmm. And so I, he was like, well, I know for a fact, um, Bob, we'll call him Bob does not like to take anything less than $30,000. Like he almost never does. And I was like, well, I can't come up to, like I might, I can probably come up from 10, but I can't come up from 30, you know, like, yeah. like it's not in our budget. So like, if we can't do it, we can't do it. Like that's whatever. But then he's on the other line, like, well, what if we could make it $30,000 worth of value? Like what if you came up to 15,000 and you could give us a proposition that was around $15,000 of value. And so for what, what we did in that case was we basically ran an affiliate side of that campaign as well. And hmm. so they got, paid up front plus they got an affiliate commission okay a lot of it's just trying to say like what do you guys need what do we need and how can we like both win you know like your goal and like because like sometimes like my goal is you know like i like to make a lot of money so like when i'm negotiating because i just take a flat percentage when i negotiate like sponsors for people Mm -hmm. so sometimes with that you know i'm like just trying to drive it up a little yeah i just want more money you know (laughs) at the end of the day it's all about like what where is the value and you like you need to understand that it's not it shouldn't ever be confrontational as like the worst they're going to do is say hey we don't think you're worth that much and then just go okay that's fine then like we just won't work together you know like that's like it's more than fine like we love your brand we love your product whatever but we're not work together like i was working with a sponsor that was a 
they wanted to only send free products. And Mm -hmm. that particular influencer charges $8,000 minimum. Like they usually charge more, but like they will, like that's what my hard line is. I'm told that like if the, if they won't come up to $8,000, we just say no. And so like, I just had to explain it to him. I was like, Hey, like, we still love your brand. We still think it's awesome. But like, there's literally no way this is going to work out. Cause they're like, well, what if we send you three of the product, you know? And I'm like, it literally won't work out. Like, I'm really sorry. And I've had that happen the other way to me of like, someone says, Hey, we really love your YouTube channel. We think this is a great fit, but like, you guys aren't worth five that like if I'm going to spend $5,000, I'm going to spend an extra $5,000 on Facebook ads, you know, like mm. it doesn't financially make sense. And so I think a big part of that is you just have to understand that like everyone's just trying to do what's best for them and to like not get offended, like not be personally tied up in it. And like, it does suck if you're like a freelancer or whatever. And you're like, Hey, I think I'm worth 200 bucks an hour. I never, it's like, you're not worth 200 bucks an hour. I won't pay you that. But at the same time, like use it as some reflection and say, well, maybe you're not worth $200 an hour. What can you do to get there? You know, like maybe you start it, tell them I'll work for $750 for the first 10 hours and then we'll renegotiate. Or maybe you are, and they just don't like that $200 an hour number. I know someone who does consulting and he works it this way. Like he gets paid, I think hourly, like $250 to $500 an hour, like huge, like that's, I mean, that's $500,000 to a million dollars a year. If it's, if you're working 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, Mm -hmm. but he prices everything like this service package is worth $2,000. And when they can see what they're getting, it's a lot better. You know, like if like I will make six landing pages, A and B test each one of them with three different pieces of creative, give you a biweekly report, blah, 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 blah. Like, people are much more, that sounds a lot better to some people than pay me $250 an hour and I'll do all this stuff. You just say pay me yeah. $2,000 an hour and you know, or $2,500 or pay me, not, sorry, talking all over myself. No worries. Pay me $2,500 and I'll work for 10 hours. But like, you don't have to give them that 10 hour number. You just say, just what you're going to do. $2, yeah. $2,500 an hour. I'll do this. And you know, it's going to take you 10 hours. Like that's the exact same. So, you know, like those are some strategies you can use, I guess. Absolutely. And I think one very important thing that you said is like, know your value and know like what you're trying to get out of a negotiation before you go into it. Because if you just like go into something blind and you don't even know what your objective is, like you're never going to come out ahead. You're never going to feel successful about that interaction because you didn't know what your goal was. You didn't know what you were actually doing. You didn't know what your intrinsic value was. So having, having some idea of like what you're bringing to the table and what you're looking to get, I think is really, really important. Yeah. Like, a hundred percent. Cause right. It's like, you can't, you can't, if you don't know what your goal is, like, then you, you're not yeah, going to get there. <laughs> like there's literally just no way. It's like, it's exactly what you said. You know, if you don't, you're going to end up like coming out of negotiation, like, Oh, sick. I, they said they paid me $2,000. And then you're going to sit down and be like, crap, I needed $5,000 yeah. worth my time. And exactly. You screwed yourself. Cause like, you gotta be like, you gotta be true to your word, you know? And like, you can go back and discuss it with them and all those things. But like, it's still just very obnoxious at that point. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right, Lewis, I got some questions that I like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. Are you feeling ready for them? Oh, I'm great. Let's go. All right, let's do it. The first of which is what are you excited about right now? This could be something in your business. This can be something in the wider realm of the world, but like what's something that genuinely has you excited right now? Um, One of the things that 
genuinely has me excited right now is like it's gonna sound like self-pluggy but it's the email course we're working on it but it's not because like like i ran the numbers and like the way like we sell course like we sell everything way cheap at like a monthly subscription it's like teachable or whatever you know like or skillshare like something more like that rather than like pay a thousand bucks here's all this stuff mm-hmm. but i'm more excited about it because i get to work with that hashtag jeff guy he's literally like I'm not even kidding. If you have a blog, he is the best SEO guy I've ever met in my life. Literally wow. The best ever. Like, I'm like, there's probably better people out there and I've just never met him, but like okay. never seen anyone better than he is. And that includes like, you know, like I've been a guest at like Vid Summit and all these people. Like I've got to like sit down with people who are like, oh, here, buy my thousand dollar SEO course, whatever. <laughs> He's like so good. Um, and I think what makes him like, I don't even know. It's just like, it's, I, and like, I'm excited to work with him cause I'm really excited to learn more about SEO. Like he's already taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. So we rank like, I don't know the exact numbers. So I should have prepped some of these. I didn't <laughs> no worries. It up, but like, so we get like probably 10,000 sessions a month just off like SEO stuff, like carbon fiber, wedding ring, things like that already. So like we already make pretty good money with it. And it's sure. all just, I watched his, $50 course, you know, like, wow. <laughs> and like, for, it like was just crazy. And like, obviously because I like have paid people to do SEO, like I've learned some from them, but mm-hmm. I'm just excited to work more with him. Cause like every single time, like literally like one of the geniuses of he's at least 10 years older than me, but like mm-hmm. whatever gen- generation he's from, like, he's just, he's just killing it. And I'm just excited to learn to be better from him. Cause like, I've always, like I said, just make it up as I go. And so it's like an opportunity to sit with someone who's like really good and learn from them. Absolutely. And it's all about who you surround yourself with. And a lot of our listeners might be getting discouraged because they're like, well, I could never associate with people at that level. And what I would say, and, and, and the way that I was first able to sort of get my foot in the door with people who are having real success online was working for free. Um, just because like when you have real value to offer and, and, and that being said, like work for free, but when you approach people have a skill, like really quick thing here. Like when I decided that I wanted to like make a name for myself online, the the first thing that I decided to do was like learn something. Like I wanted to have something of value that I could provide to people. And for me, that was Instagram. Like I learned all about Instagram, how it worked, how I could help people grow their pages and how I could help people make more money on Instagram. So I took that skill and I offered to work for free for people using that skill to make them more money. And by doing that, I was able to really expand my network. And now I have similar to what you're doing right now. Actually, I have a couple of joint venture courses that are coming out in the next couple of weeks, um, basically doing the exact same thing, except like, if you don't have those connections, what you just got to develop a skill and work for free. Yeah, exactly. Like a hundred percent all in on it. Like i never, the first time I ever got a brand deal for some, for someone, mm-hmm. which I, I've made, I think like my take home off that, like I'd have to go do the math, but I think it's been about $28,000 over the past like 18 months or something like okay. really good money, like for a 22 year old, you know, like sure. there's like people who don't make that in a year, you know? And so I had never done it before. It was just one of my friends was like, Hey, like you said, like, I want to work with this person. I was like, Oh, I can probably like figure out how to do that. Like, but he didn't pay me anything up front or anything. It was just like, can I, if, if it happens, like, can I take a cut off the back end? And he's like, yeah, of course. Like, so things along those lines, like you said, of work, gain that skill. And then once you have it, cause like I had a client fly me to a conference in Chicago 
and like put me up in a nice four-star hotel and everything just to like help them make more brand connections and so you know it's like you said like you work for free and as you get better you'll have the leverage to work with bigger people and get paid what you want to be paid exactly and like when you start getting those results and you can actually show people case studies like that's that's just all the leverage you need to to really take off um so lewis do you have any habits that have served you particularly well and helped you get to that next level uh any routines anything you do regularly um honestly i don't think i have any huge habits but if i could put one in there it's the like the execution i'm gonna consider that a habit and it's literally like I have a like habit tendency, whatever you want to call it. It's not like a habit in the sense like I get up and I run every day or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really bad at doing any of those things, <laughs> but it's the things of whenever I have an idea, I like follow it for like three to five hours just mm -hmm. to see what it's worth. So like a good example is, I'm like, this will probably never come to light, but I wanted to make for like the past six months, I've thought it would be really cool to make, if you know who Doug DeMuro is, he does car reviews. Okay. On YouTube, like here are the new features all this stuff I thought that was a format that would really lend itself to home tours and like you always see like Logan Paul FaZe Clan like any of those huge like vloggers that younger audience they also have their home tour videos that they do once in a while that do really really well way better than their normal videos get a lot of extra reach and so I was like that would be a cool channel to start so I went and I did keyword research um looked at houses in the area talked to a realtor and even filmed one and wow. like, that's probably never going to be a project I work on, but like, I still put in like 10 hours of good work, just like executing the idea to see how feasible it was. Hmm. I'm like, I have, like they say, you know, like entrepreneurs fail all the time. Like I've never had any of those like big failures where I start something and it just like collapses down on me. But I probably have like 20 more projects like that. Like I made a blog and worked on it for like, you know, a week or two and got to the end point and was like, you know, not the best use of my time but I still like executed on the idea, even if it meant like not going out to see movies or going out with my friends. And it's like execution, if that can be called a habit, I think that's like, that's what's helped me the most. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. What content, uh, if any, are you consuming right now? This could be books, podcasts, um, YouTube channels, but like what, is there any content that you're consuming regularly? Yeah, so, um, First, one that I consume semi-regularly is the, uh, it's called How I Built This with Guy Raz. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really good because I think what a lot of people miss out on is everyone in this like influencer, like make money online space, whatever you call it, like I think they tend to think of themselves as like people don't connect that it's just, it's the same as any other business, you know, like it seems a little different. It seems a little weird that like, there's no difference between being an influencer and like being, a, having like a YouTube channel and having a TV show. Like it's all the same. And I think that podcast has a lot of strategies that I think really help with like coming up with that. This is how you run a business. So take the things they're doing to run their business and pull that into whatever you're working on, whether it's a YouTube channel, Instagram account, anything like that, and figure out how you can be better with like the outsourcing, the team management, the leadership skills. Um, I also consume a felonious amount of just like YouTube content. Like it's almost disgusting. Like I spend like four to six hours a day watching YouTube on Reddit or on Instagram. But what 
we do is like, I do that because one of our companies, we have more than one e-commerce company. Mm -hmm. And so to like help things with like employee insurance liability and all that stuff, we actually have a company that's a marketing agency that like bills out to all of our other companies, if that makes sense. So that like each company doesn't have a graphic designer on staff. We just have a marketing company that anyone can use that graphic designer and then they just have to pay like a fee. Hmm. So, but a big part of like things we do there is like stuff like we run like PR campaigns on like YouTube and Reddit, like a lot of like guerrilla marketing stuff. And so it's all about just like making sure, you know, what's trending at any given time. So like, that's how we, we had a, if you're familiar with PewDiePie, he does like a meme review where he reviews, and this might not be the actual term for it. Patrick is much more of like the actual like YouTube culture person. <laughs> all right. He does a thing where he reviews the top post from his subreddit. And so what we did is we made a ring that subscribes you to PewDiePie and unsubscribes you to T from T series, which is like the big like drama thing that was going on on YouTube at the time. Okay. Then we used guerrilla marketing to get it to like, and like it wasn't even any like black hat thing. It was just like we recognized that we had a demographic crossover, so it should get a little traction there. And then we made sure we had people who were already like we went and searched out people active in his subreddit that we knew personally hmm. that had like high karma Reddit accounts to post it for us as well. And then one of those ended up being the top post. It was just a combination of like good content and like the content getting distributed. And so then it got into the YouTube video with PewDiePie where he like talked about our ring just for like 15 seconds that that drove something like an extra 200,000 web sessions that month to our site. Like it was literally, wow. It literally like kickstarted our entire 2019 to be way better than we expected it because then we just had all that extra traffic coming into our funnels. And so just like, we're always looking for like little things like that, that we can like take advantage of. Mm. And so like we consume a ton of content just so like we can know what's going on on any platform at any time. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. You got to be up to date with, uh, with all the little trends. Yeah. All right, Lewis, where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, if they've been enjoying the value that you've been providing so far in this episode of Young Smart Money, where can they go to follow up with you at? Um, I'm really active on LinkedIn, Lewis Fawcett. Name, same there. You have to search it up. You can follow me. You can connect with me. Um, Instagram and Twitter, I'm also like kind of active on. Those are Lewis, W-F, L-E-W-I-S-W-F. And I actually have this thing that like not a lot of people know I have it because I don't distribute it a lot. Cause, um, I'm really like hit or miss on how much I should share about it so far, but I actually do like a behind the scenes, um, newsletter with like all of our companies. Hmm. And so like, that's where I like, I get a lot more in depth on like the actual like numbers and everything there. And the landing page for that, I made a specific one just for this. Um, you can go to, it's a bit.ly link. So bit.ly forward slash T-D-A-E dash A-C. And so that's the the digital age entrepreneur dash apple crider is what that's for cool so, um, yeah and so that's just like that's where i like share things like we have an entire case study we made on that pewdiepie pr scheme because it ended up it was like forty thousand dollars of free value you know that cost like we still had to make the video but we were going to make that video anyway so like for us that was free but even if you had to make a video to get like featured some way like that you know you're like three thousand dollars whereas if you're going to buy that on facebook the attention it got us, it would have been $40,000 plus the $3,000 for the video. And so like, that's just where we, like, I go over stuff like that, talking about like, like really like tactical, like 
that's where I really get into the details of it. Whereas like on like Instagram and Twitter and even like LinkedIn, I'm much more focused on like the big picture ideas. Hmm. And so, yeah. Cool. I'll be sure to link up all those in the show notes below. Lewis, do you have any last words of wisdom for our listeners today? Any last parting thoughts? I just, I think it always comes back to execution. Like whatever you want to do, just start trying to do it now. And in over the next six months, you'll be like amazed at how far you'll get in it. If you just start trying. Mm, there we go. Take out the earbuds, stop the podcast and just go out there and start doing Lewis. Thank you so much for, the, for spending your time here on young smart money today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Young Smart Money. Again, if you guys did enjoy the show, do remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us get in front of more people with the show. It helps you hear from even more amazing guests. It just makes the world go round when you do smash that five-star in iTunes iTunes. And if you guys want me to shout you out in my Instagram story, I am always up for that. So if you send a screenshot of your review to Apple Crater Official on Instagram, shoot me a DM of that or just tag me in it. Would love to repost it on my short story and give y'all a shout out there. Otherwise, I hope you guys do have a wonderful day, whether you're out walking the dog, whether you are at the gym, whatever you are up to on this fine day. I hope it is a splendid one and I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Real quick, just launched a new project called the Online Course Examiner, basically the Yelp of online courses. It is blowing up lately, onlinecourseexaminer.com. Check it out.